you know, it's just like this incredible, yeah, just like work of what it looks like for a human to lose a worldview in in the moment. Um, and, you know, with with the emotion and the smoke in the room that music can provide, the context that music can provide that can't be said in lyrics. Um, and, you know, it, it just was so honest and so helpful feeling that, you know, I thought that, and especially after reading it kind of in that two hour sit down with the book, you know, as kind of a, uh, you know, documentary kind of format thing in a couple hours, you know, it was just like this undeniable thing that, you know, there was, there was something really helpful happening here. And this was, you know, pre-Trump, um, you know, pre kind of the, you know, defined, yeah, like, like the American church hadn't defined itself as specifically, at, you know, as it had after the election. So it just, you know, you, you kind of knew that there was a lot of cancer in there, but, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, obvious on a large scale. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. I'm excited that you're here. A little bit different type of topic today. So I spoke with Brandon Vetter. Now, Brandon is unlike most of the people that I have on the show. He's, he's not a theologian. He's not really a pastor, any of that. He is a filmmaker. He's an award-winning filmmaker. And what he does is he kind of tours around with different types of people, documenting a bit about what that life looks like. At the beginning, we talk about the like silence and the concept of silence, which really spans out into some places that I wasn't expecting. And then we also talk about idolatry. We talk about music. We talk about the church. We talk about people leaving the church and the faith and some of those reasons. And we do it all through the lens of an artist called David Bazan, who is and was and now is again the lead singer of Pedro the Lion. And if that's not an artist or a band that you're used to, I mean, you need to hit pause, go to the show notes, click play for a bit, listen to some of his music. I think it's really going to give context to what you're going to hear today. So I really hope that you like this. I greatly enjoy talking to Brandon. Let's do it. Brandon Vetter, welcome to the podcast. Uh, excited to talk with you. I was really actually excited. I don't know if it was you or Keith Giles that gave me permission to watch the screener version of Strange Negotiations, and then it was definitely me that didn't watch it and try to contact you before it aired real time. Uh, so apologies oh. for that. <laughs> but No, no um, worries. Thank you for your generosity, or Keith's. I'm not sure whose generosity. I really enjoyed it. So, <laughs> But welcome to the show. Us. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me. Stoked to be here. Yeah, so I always start with the same question because I like it, and it's a good way for me to kind of figure out what I'm allowed to ask you or not. So yeah. what would you want people to know about you? Like what is kind of your story? And then we'll kind of mm -hmm. dovetail that into like how you got into doing documentaries, like why that matters and why yeah, yeah. strange negotiations yeah you know um that's a that's such an interesting question because it's kind of like non-denominational in its approach where it's usually <laughs> like a 
professional question, you know, like about, you know, as a filmmaker or whatever. Um, so yeah, it kind of opens the scope up quite a bit more. Um, it's almost like I've done that, hundreds of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, uh, I'm, I'm really interested in, in trying to, um, you know, kind of unravel mysteries within within myself and the, and the things that I've kind of encountered in life and, and in the communities that I've been a part of um, in a personal way, you know, in hopes that that's helpful for others, you know. Um, yeah, that's kind of, I've, I, I was doing an interview for the last film. Uh, actually, when I was doing, when I was in production on this film, I did this interview with this journalist um, who had went back and watched all my other films and noticed this uh, this movement towards towards spirituality in the films. Um, hmm. You know, as because I started making concert films and you know touring with rock and hip hop acts um, and shooting concert films, and then kind of got more into social issue stuff, and then you know made a film about silence and humans relationship with sound um you know in a very it's a, a kind of um you know ex more more experimental walking through that um to this film and yeah you know i i, I think that that's you know like we the things that translate the best are the things that you're really interested in um, mm -hmm. and that you have a stake in and, and you personally um, have, you know, maybe some, some demons to deal with. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's been my approach is just, you know, trying to figure out the things that, that kind of turn me on and, and go after those things uh, in hopes that other people, you know, can be helped by them. Would you call yourself religious? Because you talk about, you know, filming and kind of searching for, like, I forget how you said it. That's, I'm badly yeah. doing this. Um, you know, where, you know, there's something in the work that you're doing that's kind of speaking to something that's going on. Like, are you religious now? Or are you just really yeah, yeah. like music? And or, where, where, how do you get there? Yeah, you know, I th faith has always been this, just the most interesting thing. Mm. Uh, period to me where you know it's this it's this kind of superpower you know like it, it it and it is so uniquely human um it is the thing that sets us apart um and it can uh be the best thing and and the, and the most beautiful expression of humanity um and it can also be the very very worst mm. um it allows us to be our best to be our worst um it allows us to imagine the, the, the most beautiful things and, and the most terrifying things and do those things. Um, so, you know, to me, like that's storytelling. Um, yeah, you just, you, you can't pull them apart. And so, you know, I've, I've always just been so interested in kind of people's expressions of faith and, you know, if someone is willing to, to die for something or if someone's willing to give their lives, to the study of something like that, that feels worth it to me. Yeah. Um, to at least, to at least engage with a little bit and, you know, try to kind of understand. Um, but yeah, you know, in terms of, of the faith that, that we deal with in this film, kind of the, 
American evangelical tradition. I wasn't, you know, like grew up, you know, kind of church adjacent, had a, had a pretty, um, I was born in Chicago and, you know, we ended up out in California after a while, but had kind of a pretty tumultuous upbringing. Um, so it was more, you know, survival than, you know, like trying to get to church every week or whatever. Um, and it wasn't until we kind of landed in this sleepy town in Northern California um, later in high school that I got involved in like a youth group and, you know, started to this version of the thing started to be laid out in front of me uh, mm. in a way that I found pretty compelling. And so that, that started the journey and, you know, it's, it's definitely been a, um, yeah, there's always there's always been things about this expression of it that that have, has made me deeply uncomfortable um and just doesn't seem like the point yeah um yeah you know and so yeah the, it's it's a hard thing to to just kind of whole hog be like yeah this this is my tradition this is how I view the world, because uh, it's not that simple. Um, <laughs> but there's also so much about it that that I do see. And you know, it's been interesting with touring this film. People, you know, asking just straight up, in, you know, in front of 300 person audience, like, what do you believe right now? You personally? <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, at, at a Q and A after the screening or oh, something. Oh, that's like not that. fair. That's not fair. There's too many people there to have a good. Con I mean, unless everybody yeah. knew going into it, you most importantly, this is what we're going to talk yeah. about. That seems like right. an unfair question. I might would ask right. you that on this show. I'm not going to, by the way. Um, yeah. But uh, I take that back. The last question that I ask, I'm asking everyone this year, is going to be like yeah. when you say the word God, what do you mean? So yeah, you yeah, can go yeah. ahead and get that in the back of your head. Yeah. So I have a question. What the heck is a concert film? Like, is that the same thing as a documentary? Is that a music? Like, what? what is it? I don't know what that means. Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's really just, you know, kind of like, what's that channel on TV that just plays concert films? It's VH1. Just, no, it's <laughs> just, it, what, what the heck is it going? But it's just a live, you know, it's just like a capture of a live show. So like somewhere. Coachella, but all day, every day. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so it's like, you know, I did one for Pearl Jam and it's like, Pearl Jam live at the really? garden, really? you know, so it's like a specific show that, you know, uh, was special in some way. And, you know, we decided to release because of something. Mm. So that's cool. Yeah. I am. Um, yeah. I told Spotify to play me good music on the way home today from church, mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. And that's what it played. Um, I listened to Alive oh, nice. from Pearl Jam. Um, <laughs> I, I can't remember the name of that album. It's pink. Is it is it 10? Is that the name of that album? Uh, yeah, that that's it's the pink. first record. Yeah. Oh man, I was like, it literally started. I was like, oh, I can't just crank yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. Windows because it's seventy here in Virginia today at night, oh, wow. and so like I just rolled the windows down, jam like it was the summer. Really enjoyed. I forgot how good the song was. Anyway, I didn't mean to talk about Pearl Jam, but <laughs> it's not often that that. Anyway, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, it works. Yes. It works well. Um, Spotify's <laughs> learning me a bit too too well. Um, I have a question about silence. So I want to relate it back to why you think silence um, holds so much tension in the relationship, especially when we think about God. But prior mm -hmm. to that, I just recently listened to a different podcast called. Um, 20,000 Hertz. I don't know if you're familiar with that show or not. I'm not. It's literally by a guy from America, somewhere in America. 
His name is Dallas Willard, but I don't want to say he's from Dallas because I'm sure he's not. Or Dallas, oh. Dallas Taylor, Dallas Taylor, Dallas Willard's oh, okay. an author. Um, yeah, and he is he he runs De facto Sound, I think, is the name of his company, which like does mm. like music and stuff for movies and video games and. Um, but he, like in one of his first episodes is here's why the NBC chime works. And here's the story behind mm-hmm. the NBC chime. Mm-hmm. And apparently there's a fourth note that. that they play. Like when the president declares a national emergency, like there's like a fourth instead of boom, doom, doom. There's a fourth note, really? which basically means like get to the TV. Yeah, World yeah. War four is happening kind of thing. Oh man. Yeah, but he did I love one that old school broadcast where oh, you know yeah. like th- those little things. Oh man. He's done anyway. so many different episodes. Um it's called 20,000 Hertz cuz I think it's the last thing that you can hear on the spectrum anything. Got it. There's one called yeah. 4 433. So it's 4 minutes and 33 seconds that's composed yeah. by somebody. Are you familiar at all with this song yeah, called 433? Yes. So John Cage is the composer yeah. uh and and he so the 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 film in pursuit of silence we kind of um you know profile five or six different people's uh pursuit after after silence was after, cage in the film or cage's work yeah in the film? yeah we oh, cool. you know he's 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 passed now but we his story mm-hmm. um and his kind of finding of of silence uh because you know he started off as this crazy ass noise musician mm. you know just like this avant-garde you know programmed but, but, programmed piano is that what it was called something like that yeah just you know like all these patch bays and all this crazy shit and mm. he um he you know when he found silence that was this really kind of specific era in his life um you know and and everyone says that that he kind of never stopped smiling after mm. he 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 found and and forged a relationship with silence and kind of you know the the understanding that it that it's always there that it's you know this this kind of beautiful bath that that we get to enjoy um regardless of of you know whether we are you know cognizant of it or not but just you know it was kind of like god for him you know where it's like there is this this omnipresence of of silence that you know we're we're breaking it you know um hopefully only you know when it's important um but yeah so he him and his journey towards silence he he it started with him kind of stepping into this thing called an anechoic chamber Mm -hmm. um which yeah just kills any sound reverberation yeah. and it's maddening like i didn't know actually that i had tinnitus until you know which is a yeah. crazy ringing yeah. in your ears in t- from all the concert stuff until i went into an anechoic chamber and it was like oh dude it's so loud <laughs> it's so loud <laughs> yeah so yeah he was a big part of it you know there was um we spent a lot of time with uh 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 a monk, a Trappist monk in uh, Iowa, and then a Buddhist monk in Japan. Um, you know, a guy that it was his his job for for the National Park Service to preserve the natural quiet of the parks hmm. with kind of the power of the government behind him, um, in terms of just like ha- creating, you know, or maintaining what this piece of land always sounded like. Um, so what you is know, that? Just and, like a perpetual guy that drives around saying, get off my lawn, get out of here, pretty, basically. Pretty much. <laughs> yep. That's a great job. You get out of here. You're too loud. <laughs> I want that job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. 
It's amazing. Yeah. So I yeah, just, that was a, that was an incredible experience, and just like such a rad nerdy thing to to be able to kind of travel all over and see these really these people um, that are so committed to this pursuit. Um, yeah. This kid, this kid walked across the United States um, over a year in silence. He was he was one of um, the guys in the film, and yeah. Hmm. So, kind of, I'm gonna have to watch place. it. I was not like that other production company that you talked to, where I watched everything else. I didn't do that. <laughs> um, but that sounds yeah. So when I yeah. listened to that, I was actually folding laundry or ironing clothes. I'm that guy that yeah. like I iron the shirts for the whole week because then I get like ten more minutes of sleep time. If that nice. makes any sense, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had on like a nice set of speakers on my on my ears, and um, yeah. and at the end of that podcast episode, he's like, "All right, so we're going to do four minutes and thirty three seconds. You're going to listen to it in its entirety, but because we're so uncomfortable with silence, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have two minutes and nine seconds of silence, and then he would come back on for a quick seconds. Now thirty more seconds, and he'd come back on. He's like, and this will be the last time you hear from me. We'll talk to you next week. Don't yeah. don't hit don't hit stop." finish yeah, it with yeah, me yeah. and i was really uncomfortable with it because i come down oh, to dude. the basement the mess of a basement that you saw earlier um yeah. and uh and like i try to do like the examine and other things but even down here in the hole it's still not silent you know what i mean right it's not silent yeah. so yeah no it's crazy i mean we we to go further on that when we premiered the film at uh south by southwest from mm-hmm. your home state and we got we got musicians to perform for four thirty three before every screening, <laughs> which was so interesting. Because so we would have them, you know, uh, do kind of like this palate cleansing piece of music, nothing lyrical or whatever, but just kind of like, yo, sit down, chill out, and then go into four thirty three. You know, anywhere from um, you know like a quartet to like this crazy ass rock band to this <laughs> MC and, you know, like just, there is this, there's such a fascinating energy that happens in a room, you know, when you're silent for, for four minutes and 33 seconds, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, because you get, you get really uncomfortable. There's just tension. And then, yeah. yeah. And then you get over it and then you get uncomfortable again and then you get angry and then, you know, like, <laughs> but, but it points back to you, yeah. which is, you know, the thing that I think is so genius about it. And, so genius about kind of, you know, at, at first I thought it was bullshit, you know, like when mm-hmm. I went just like this art school, blah, 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 before I really knew much about John Cage. And then when I realized it, the, you know, w- or when we, we started doing it, I just realized this incredible power um, and just the uniqueness of that moment where literally some people will never have the experience to be in community and silent for that long their entire lives. The most current film. Um, I didn't realize how long we've been talking with, without talking about that, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> so it's, it's Strange Negotiations. And so it kind of follows, what is it, four years, five years, 10 years? How, how many yeah, years were you following? Four years. Four yeah. years of the uh, life. Yeah, like three years, two and a half years, and it took about four years to make all. Of all yeah. So of the life of um, Dave Bazan, which if people don't know that name, he is the, the I guess, the voice this, the the a portion of Pedro the Lion, which is a fantastic band, and many people know that band. Um, I don't think as many people know David because you kind of check out when people stop singing things that you want to hear, right? Because um, <laughs> you can do that; you can just turn the dial on the radio. So, what possesses a person, Brandon, to go? You know what I want to do? I want to jump in this little car 
and and just ride around with this guy. Like, what possesses yeah. somebody to want to like? Why? Why, David? Why did? Why? Yeah, no, that's it's a really good question because it is. It's so hard to make a film. <laughs> it's so hard to make an independent film. You know, something that that people aren't clamoring for. You know, something that people aren't asking you to do that you just are kind of like through the sheer will of force you're going to push into this world mm -hmm. and and talk people into the fact that they need to see this um so yeah like it 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 was yeah it's a hard decision cuz you know my other films um I've had more collaborators making the other films and they've taken, you know, three or four years each. And so I kind of, you know, I knew what I was getting into to a certain extent. So I had to be really, really sure about it. Um, and also just like the, the weight that it has on my family and finances and mm -hmm. personal health and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I, I was finishing in pursuit of silence um, and, and was kind of sensitive about what was, what was kind of next. And, where I was interested in going next. And I was on this, uh, we were living in LA at the time and I had this shoot in Mexico. And so I just grabbed some podcasts, you know, earlier in the days of podcasts. And this guy, Pete Holmes, this comedian. Mm. Mm. Had, yeah. And he had Dave on the podcast. Uh, uh. And I, I, I had, I remember Pedro the Lion, you know, and I had, I had a couple of their records growing up, high school and stuff, and then kind of lost track. And, but was, I, I, I remember, you know, him singing these hymns and I just, you know, I remember that there being this kind of like really fascinating depth to what he was doing, um, you know, when I came across it in high school, cause that's kind of when I started to, to have my own kind of understanding of the existential. Um, so it had a good connotation right away. And then, you know, they had this hour long conversation that Dave walked through this journey and walked through this worldview um, with this candor and kind of a reverence, but, but, you know, personally reverent, systematically irreverent maybe, or politically irreverent. Um, Probably all of the above. A, yeah. <laughs> in a, in a way that I had just never heard before, you know, I, he, he tells a story of, after he lost, you know, kind of officially, you know, let go of his faith, this, um, you know, these panic attacks that he would have at night, where he felt like God was was coming to him and threatening uh, his kids to eternal damnation, mm. you know, and, and just, you know, the stuff that people just don't, you know, don't really talk about, um, you know, kind of like, but yeah, so anyway, and then, and then, there, but there was just this beautiful love for this community it wasn't kind of like this you know hitchens or harris or you know new atheist kind of like you're an idiot if you believe you know you're a lemming blah 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 opiate for the masses it was very much like you know he just embraced the tension of losing his worldview in a way that was crazy so anyway super just kind of caught on fire by that that thing that conversation i went home actually and and put downloaded and put together all of his lyrics in just kind of like a homemade book on you know eight and a half by 11 paper so i could read you know in time 
you know, this, this guy's life and, you know, his artistic expression of this losing of worldview because it's all there, you know, from the beginning as a, you know, a guy that thought he was going to be a pastor, um, you know, to the end where, you know, he is um, probably closer to an atheist than he is now. Um, and so, you know, it's just like this incredible, um, yeah, just like work of, of what it looks like for a human to lose a worldview mm-hmm. in, in the moment. Um, and, you know, with, with the emotion and the smoke in the room that music can provide, the context that music can provide that can't be said in lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it just was so honest and so helpful feeling that, you know, I thought that, and especially after reading it kind of in that two hour sit down with the book, you know, as kind of a, uh, you know, documentary kind of format thing in a couple hours, uh, you know, it was just like this undeniable thing that, you know, there was, there was something really helpful happening here. And this was, you know, pre-Trump, you know, pre kind of, the you know defined um yeah like like the american church hadn't defined itself as specifically at, you know as it had after the election um yeah. so it just you know you, you kind of knew that there was there was a lot of cancer in there but you know it wasn't it wasn't you know obvious um, that's an understatement. On a large that's scale. That's the biggest understatement yeah. I've heard today. <laughs> kind of knew that there was a cancer. In that's that's a good way to put that. I'm taking that. I'm making it yeah. mine. I'm not even going to give you credit because nobody will know. <laughs> I'm taking that's it. That's fine. <laughs> Do it. That's that's a comment on your podcast, not on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so either way, I'll say I heard a guy say, and I like it. That's what I'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was you know it was it, it it yeah that kind of started this thing where it was like I think that there's I think that there's a feature documentary version of this thing that's really helpful mm. that starts some conversations that I want to have and I, I I'd like to to see other people having as well. just recipe questions for making a documentary. So, I mean, just in recording the podcast, like I thought about all the junk I'd have to carry around with me just to do this. Oh yeah. And so I'd have to actually add another mic. Like if it, like literally right. all the junk. And yeah. so I thought to myself, as you were, you know, you're in people's houses and if people don't understand what I'm talking about, then just go rent the movie. Cause I'm going to talk like you've seen it. And if you haven't, that's your problem and you should buy it or rent it and then come back and finish the episode. Because <laughs> um, I have seen it, so we're going to go with that. So you're in people's houses. Like, how do you, do you have to get like express permission or is that just like, yeah, everybody that bought a ticket tonight, by the way, I got a guy in the back, he's filming a thing. Just ignore him or, and like in the back of the car, like I found myself, like I know that people don't talk to themselves the way that David was talking to himself in the car. Like mm-hmm. when I talk to myself in the car, I don't speak in the second or third person. Like I just... 
usually talk at the other right. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like logistically, yeah. how do you make that sausage? Like, like you have to give waivers or like all the things. How does that even work? Totally. Well, I knew, you know, I knew from the very beginning approach wise that I didn't want, I didn't want to kind of rely on, on more traditional um, documentary methods in terms of like sit down interviews and, you know, uh, just, you know, that, that I wanted to take a more narrative approach to it, a more kind of in the moment, fly on the wall, verite approach where we're just, things are just unfolding in front of us because that's, that's really what was happening. You know, it, it was really dangerous from the very beginning uh, or it was a, it was a fine balance to make sure that it didn't feel prescriptive or suggestive um, in any kind of definite way that the, the truth was this is, this is a dude that has embraced the tension of, of his life in many different ways. Um, his spirituality being one of them, this, this existence as a middle-class musician, you know, uh, in a, in a dying kind of, you know, uh, economy musically being one of them, you know, the negotiations between family and blah, 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 you know, all these things were being negotiated in the moment. And so it was really important to set myself up in a way to be able to, to, you know, just be sensitive and be interacting with those things and, you know, be really, you know, be able to fit through kind of any space. And so, you know, the first tour that we did with the house shows, you know, and, and the house shows, it very quickly, it became clear that this was the setting of the film. You know, this was, Mm -hmm. this was his desert. You know, he had kind of, he had, he was out in the desert trying to, trying to find his way back. Um, And the house shows were this desert. It was also an incredibly interesting environment, you know, where it's just like, you set up this pop-up show and people come sit on your dirty carpet or your parents' couches with, your memorabilia around and no one can be too cool in that setting you're yeah. peeing someone else's toilet you know like <laughs> your toothbrush is right there you know like it's a really it's a really disarming kind of interesting thing and dave made the most of that in a way where he he used that to help create this inclusive environment where people felt you know it's, a, it's bible study ish Mm-hmm. you know, in the way that it goes down. Um, and so, so yeah, w- on that first trip that we kind of did, actually, we we played a show in Lynchburg, Virginia, which is in the film. So time out. I was at yeah. that show. I'm not on no your film. Way. Yeah. So I went to Liberty. So I was at, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I when, when, it, when it popped up, I was like, God, that looks familiar. So I started scrolling back through Facebook and I'm like, son of a... Yeah, I was at the show. But again, I'm a big fan of David. Um and yeah, but so, so, I was so there. this this goes into your question. Did you have any idea that I was shooting? No. No, that? I don't remember that. But I'm always that guy that stands right next to the back door, even now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh so yeah. that I can just kind of leave without talking to anybody at the end. Because right. I don't really right. like to. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Which is weird considering I do this in my free time now. Uh, but there's a certain safety knowing that you're on the other side of the continent. Um, (laughs) (laughs) well, but I think that that's an interesting thing where it's like, and I think it answers your question to a certain extent in a way, in a way that's encouraging for me to hear is the idea was to be totally invisible in these things. And even though 
there was three cameras going at the same time. And, you know, I had a, I had a, a, a snake of XLRs going from them back to where I was recording it and a set of, you know, stereo mics in the background. Yeah. The idea was that it, it does not change the, the, the audience experience whatsoever. Well, I think as well. So I got used to at Liberty when they would bring bands like filming was just a thing that bands did. Right. So totally. you, like, yeah. I, I think, I don't know what I, I don't remember thinking anything, but I know what yeah. I would think now. Like, Oh yeah, they're filming it. Okay. So is everybody right. else on their phones, you know, filming totally. It. So totally. whatever, yeah. that's what people and that, do. And that's, that's kind of the nice thing about this era is like, no one has to know, you know, that it's anything more than just kind of personal archive. Um, yeah. And so anyway, on that first tour, which was in 2015, I actually had a uh, another uh, DP out with me, a cinematographer, friend of mine. Um, and it was incredible because we were able to really, you know, kind of strike the visual language of the film together. Um, and it was so helpful to have him out there. That was the last time I really got to, I, I really had anyone else out, you know, hmm. we shot for another two years um, because it's so, it's such a um, intimate thing, you know, like everything in the film is so intimate in, in hotel rooms, in cars, you know, it's like, I'm always an arm's length away from Dave. Um, and so I couldn't have, you know, a guy with a boom pole sitting over Dave. I had to figure out, you know, sound. And then, you know, like the logistics of it was a nightmare, total nightmare. And, and it was like, it kind of bonded Dave and I, and he's told me since in, you know, some of these um, Q&As after the, the screenings that like that was kind of watching me lug in and out more gear than he had to every time. <laughs> and, you know, uh, kind of made him, re you know, think that I was for real and that, that he was going to mess Did with me. Did he offer to help? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he signed which up for this. Good. He's good. Which it. is good. You know, and that's the thing. Like he he didn't ask me to make a film about him. He there he wasn't it, it was very much like these two separate things happening. And I wanted to keep myself separate from what he was doing. And he was kind of, you know, he was varying levels of uncomfortable mm -hmm. uh, at, at what I was doing. So he wasn't really talking to the audience about what I was doing. I, you know, would be, you know, get a hold of the the persons that had the house beforehand and get their clearances and all that stuff. And then, you know, it's easier to do groups. Um, so you just, you know, you put a notice on the door as everyone walks in yeah. and they're releasing their image at that point. And then, you know, when people would get into big conversations, um, you know, I would, I would have them sign a waiver afterwards that, yeah. you know, kind of, um, was a little bit more than just a general one. And then in the car stuff, you know, so it's, it was between, you know, podcasts and this kind of time in the car is what took the place of what usually would be like a sit down interview. And the idea in the car, which was also a nightmare because it's just the worst place technically production wise mm -hmm. to do something like that you need pristine sound and picture and you're literally 
hurling through the bouncing through the world up and down. at yeah. seventy miles per hour, uh, changing you know lighting and sound you know situations and you know. But I did I did a shitload of research beforehand and just found. I'm sorry. Am I? If You're I good. You're good. Is, okay. That's, you're, you're good. I, I mean, we're we're 40 minutes in, but you're good. No, it's totally fine. I, okay. I, they're, they're, it's all been very tame thus far in terms of how, uh, you how could, I usually... You could say whatever you like. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the idea there was, you know, homeboys in this driver's seat for longer than anywhere else he is in his life this is his kind of homeostasis like this is his thinking spot this is you know where he is most comfortable um and we would have these six you know six seven eight hour drives you know uh from show to show and i knew that i didn't want to interview him you know like I, I was very careful to not ask questions because I didn't want answers in a, in a specific tense. Mm-hmm. Or I didn't want an answer. It was just, you know, it was starting conversation because the idea was just to open the front of Bazan's head and let the audience into this kind of process, the kind of work that he's doing out on the road. Um, so, yeah, that was, and I had no idea if it was going to work and I had no idea if it was going to be, enough but um you know to the chagrin of some of the the people kind of on the outskirts of of the film um i was pretty hard-nosed about not doing interviews or doing interviews with anyone else from the band or his family or you know it was a singular perspective film for better or for worse um that's just what it was well i liked that so specifically like i would watch him talk with his kids you you kind of hear him talk with his wife Mm-hmm. And like, there's just a brokenness in his voice that you also hear when he's singing. Like, it just, it yeah. just made it. I mean, we've all been there. Like, I, I'll have to travel for work every once in a while. Or, I mean, most of my family's in Texas. Like, you know, there's just yeah. distance destroys things. So, well, and that's the thing where it's just like I'm. I I just have so much faith in you know, uh, humans as empathizers, you know, and just emotionally intelligent people that can pick that shit up, Mm -hmm. you know, that's that, that there is so much nuance. And I mean, kids aren't watching the movie. It should be adults. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, it's, it's just in, in pauses in the conversation and, you know, like, and, and that's so much, so much more of a complete and powerful telling of their relationship uh at that moment than it would be if i was interviewing his wife and like how do you how's your guys's marriage you know mm-hmm. like it's all there in reality and obviously you know it's not the full picture but i think you know uh i think that that they would agree that that you know that i know that they agree that it's a it's an accurate representation there's a question so i wrote a few things that david said and i'm curious your opinion on that, because you don't really have an opinion in, in the film, at least. <laughs> yeah, not really. Um, so yeah. there's two things that I wanted to ask you about. So one of them, David says, where's it at? That there's an attempt to sloganize the Christian culture. And then what does he say after that? Like, apparently, yeah, he's like, you know, it's not a pruning issue. It's a rip the whole tree down and burn it. Most of Christianity is apparently 
cool with idolatry. But I'm curious mm-hmm. your take on that. Like when when you hear David or when someone says that to you, you know, Brandon, mm-hmm. stop sloganizing Christian culture. And you kind of named it earlier, but I, I'd like you to drill to just drill there. Um, what does that mean? Yeah. yeah, you know, I think I think that we, our brains and our our, our you know our way of communication compartmentalizes and, and breaks things down in a way that sloganizes things and in, in a really helpful way, you know, in terms of breaking down really complex ideas and can be in a really dangerous way as well, where literally the only important things are left out um, of, of these kind of, uh, you know, axioms or retellings or, you know, kind of the, yeah, the point is lost very easily. The nuance, you know, and that's the thing about the uh, the faith that Jesus Christ put forward in my estimation is that it's just, it's all in the nuance, um, you know, and it, and it is so, it's such a holistic um, kind of uh, just approach worldview that, you know, like, it yeah it becomes really dangerous to to sloganize things and to you know kind of market things um and so i think but you know it's just like that's also human nature so it's not this kind of like crazy evil thing i think that we in in trying to understand things um we're we're you know putting things in specific boxes and and, and trying to break them down um you know when it comes to this question of idolatry i i really really resonated with that you know so that he he talks about that because we watch we watch him in real time you know and and a a factor of the film is uh that we're kind of you know we're traveling with dave as um you know the 2016 primaries are happening for the presidential election um you know and and all the way through the actual election and that was happening in real time and we were you know really listening to that stuff on the radio Mm -hmm. um and it was you know and, and the only way that i i i thought that i could even mess with that is just like if it was wholly personal if it was just you know like it wasn't political that it was Dave, it was about Dave's very personal experience with this thing. And what that ended up being when Trump did get elected was this incredible feeling of, of, you know, just kind of, um, you know, like there's this cognitive dissonance. There was this, this betrayal because everything that he had been taught growing up by all of the people that taught him, you know, how to be a human um, was was not being considered in one of these most important decisions, you know, in, in this American experiment. Um, and he he was really hurt, you know, and, and he took it really personally. And it wasn't just like, you know, the Republicans. It was like, you know, these specific people in his mind that he felt really yeah. betrayed by. Um, and so you know, him characterizing that, uh, this kind of ability to, you know, uh, 
vote against your, you know, everything that 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 you purportedly are about for one or two issues um, as idolatry, I thought was was so fascinating because it's you know kind of turning this language of of this culture back on itself in a really interesting way that uh, hopefully people can understand and there is a check to it where it's like, oh yeah, like if we're willing to to do whatever for to, to gain this specific thing, um, then that's idolatry. Yeah, that's and, what you're worshiping. You know, yeah. Right. Yeah, we are worshiping these things and we think that we know better than, you know, uh, the balance of whatever we believe in. Um, and we're tipping the scales um, and we're looking over things and, you know, that that's just not how balance is talked about in, in the Bible. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, long rambly way of, of saying, I, you know, I thought it was helpful. <laughs> um, yeah, there were, there's, gosh, I'm trying to read the lines. One, two, three, five. It's about 26 like things. So when I watched the, the screening, I started it on the, on the TV because I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure your email said many people find, so, so there's something in there that said yeah. many people find if you'll like open this up here and then play it, it just, it's, it works better on a bigger TV. But then right. I found myself needing to do other things. And so I'd pause it, fire up the laptop, move it to where I'm doing my thing and then carry right. it around the house with me. And I yeah, just yeah, opened yeah. up a notepad and just kept typing into it. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I resonated a lot with what um, with it, with what David kept talking about. So I appreciate appreciate his or your I appreciate your ability to get him to be candid. Yeah, yeah. candid's the right word there. So mm-hmm. I have two more questions for you. The first one is one that yeah. I alluded to a minute ago. So when you Brandon, not Brandon's view of what David thinks, or your wife, or your mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. When you say, you know, here's what God is, like when I say the divine yeah. God, whatever you want to call that, use whatever metaphor you like, what do you actually mean? Like if, if you were trying to explain it to, I don't know, a 10-year-old or a 15, 25-year-old, whatever, doesn't matter. Yeah, that's, man, that's such a hard question. <laughs> and I think, and I'm, I'm so thankful that uh, it gets to continue to evolve with us, mm. you know, and that uh we can continue to be in process and so you know the my answer to that today is so so different than it would have been before this film or before i had you know my two girls Mm. or whatever and you know that's that that's beginning to already answer the question um is is that kind of um you know this unfolding version of um what what is possible in in humanity and on this planet and you know uh, in between each other and so i don't know i i think more recently i have the the kind of revelation of nature and uh self has has weighed heavier to me than than the revelation of scripture um and i i've been in a process of kind of re rebalancing these these things um and that's the thing to me i think that it is uh you know i believe i believe jesus is who he said he was um i believe that yeah i you know in at risk of sounding super hippie and 
you know, (laughs) (laughs) that it is, it is, you know, a balance, you know, that, Uh that that's, that's kind of what I think of, um, when I think of it is just, is harmony. Um, yeah, you know, and, and that expression through, uh, Jesus Christ and his, his life here on earth, that expression through, you know, all the revelations that we are surrounded by, um, our gut, you know, all these things, but it is, it comes back down to, um, harmony. And I think that love is possible in harmony. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the, the, the action version of God is is love. And, you know, the kind of passive version is this harmony. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Thank you for that. I'm aware of how small, small that that question is so uh, <laughs> well it's good because people go wherever they go which yeah obviously i've, I've yet to yeah. get the same answer yet um i'm yeah but yeah there have been some answers that i'm like wasn't expecting that that's yeah, beautiful yeah, 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 yeah. uh and yeah, other answers yeah, yeah. you know depend on the person i'm, I'm like yeah i i like the way you said it i kind of expected that i wouldn't tell them that but um yeah. other ones i'm like i was dude I was actually yeah. taking notes. Like I took <laughs> notes. <laughs> um, right. um, yeah. Um, which actually with you, I did. So the thing I wrote down was, you know, forging a relationship with silence. I'm going to have to wrestle with that a bit. I like that a bit. But anyway, um, so in closing, if so, we, there's a lot in the film and there's a lot that's hard to talk about in the film because I find myself unable to voice some of my questions well. Yeah. It, partly because I see myself and I think a lot of people that watch the film are going to kind of relate to it and be like, ah, oh, I've been there. If I'm honest, I've been there. And if I'm honest, I'm still there. I fake it every time I go to church. Right. And I'm really good at faking it because I know the language. Yeah. So I can do that. So totally. in, in closing, like if there's something I didn't say or something like, you know what, as you watch the film, here's what you need to hear. I wanted to mm-hmm. give you like that last moment. Like, is there anything at all? That you're like, yeah, I really would like to say this. And you don't have to if there's nothing. No, I mean, I think that that's the goal, you know, as, as, as a filmmaker. And this kind of expression of art is that this, this thing can stand alone, you know, and mm-hmm. that there, there need be no context or uh, scaffolding, you know, that, that, that you need that, that there's enough in there and there's enough kind of threads of humanity, you know, that, that people can interact with, with something in a way that feels honest, um, even to the point where, you know, I, I hope, uh, and, and was, you know, tried really hard to make a film that, that was clear that you don't need to know who David Bazan is, mm, um, yeah, you don't have any Mm-mm. relationship with his music or anything like that, that this is the everyman that, just happens to be incredibly gifted at expressing himself as an orator and as a musician. Um, and his life looks a lot like, you know, uh, he's his, his, you know, the way he talks. So, so where do people go? So it's in iTunes. It's, it's probably at a website. I'm not sure where, like where, where would you send people to? And then also your other films. I'm going to watch the one on silence. Not today. It's late. Yeah. This week. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. I'm super interested to to hear your thoughts on that. Um, So yeah, strange negotiations is on iTunes. It's on Amazon. It's on um, Vimeo. It's, you know, pretty much wherever, 
you you know interact with stuff we haven't we haven't figured out the streaming thing yet you know in terms of a, a, a netflix or hulu type thing um but for purchase and rental it's available on all those sites the the website is strange negotiations film.com um you know all the socials are super easy to find mm-hmm. um you know and there's a lot of really interesting conversation around the film on those socials yeah and then you know the the past films you know uh, in pursuit of sounds which which i made um with uh patrick shen and the film before that la source uh also with patrick shen those you know they're both available on itunes and um yeah i'm trying to think of you know short films um are on vimeo um yeah and yeah you know cool. that's let the internet guide you <laughs> just <laughs> i'm pretty it's all pretty easy to find <laughs> fair, fair enough cool well brandon thank you i've enjoyed it and um thank you again for letting me watch the flick and um and yeah, for your man. time tonight i appreciate it i really appreciate you spending the time with it and shining light on it you know this make you know making art and trying to put it out into the world in this kind of independent way is is so difficult and i think now it's so much more helpful to be able to interact and engage with with a thinker like you with with a platform that you've curated with an audience um you know rather than facebook ads or you know putting a billboard (laughs) up or some dumb thing that you know it's just like there's so much noise out there that you know for for you to you know engage in it thoughtfully and and have these questions and you know show your audience a bit of this i'm super thankful for yeah that's my pleasure this podcast is completely and 100 percent produced by the patron supporters of the show I would love to count you among them. Consider going to the website and you can contribute to helping the show grow and maintain in a couple ways. So you can give financially. There are multiple levels there. Some of the levels will give you early access to the show. Other levels will give you discounts on the merchandise. Like some of you have figured out, oh, I can do this and I get the video of the show the unedited version of the show, early access to the show, different blog posts, and big discounts on some of the merch of the show. I've recently also added a whole new lines of women's clothing, and then a couple new concepts where there's one where it's hard to explain, but it's basically the concept of the word religion unraveling into the word love, which I just love the way that that visually, that metaphor, it's become my new favorite thing in there. Uh, I've already bought myself a few copies of it uh, to go on different things, might make it onto the mug too who knows but that is one way you can support the show the other way easy quick cheap and free is just rate and review the show on itunes and tell your friends and whatever your podcast player is of choice not every player will let you review things but please do that if you can it really does help other people as they're searching for different things as the algorithms tell them and then lastly just tell your friends share the show And if you'd like to engage further in open and honest conversations, there is a Facebook group that you can find. If you just search, can I say this at church, honest discussions on Facebook, it's a private group. You do have to answer some questions to get in there, but I love it. It is a privilege to be able to do this. And again, could not do it without you. So I'll talk with you next week and I hope you all are very blessed.